If you have your Bibles, we'll, we will be looking at Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 this morning. Colossians 3, verses 18 and 19. Before we read the text this morning, let's pray. Father, we are thankful we can gather on this Lord's Day as we have sung together and brought our petitions before You. Lord, now we come to a time in which we open up Your Word together. So Father, hold me fast in Your truth. I know I will stand before you and give an account for what I preach this morning. And so may the gospel be heralded from my lips. May we see the role of wives and husbands and the importance of a biblical marriage that represents to this world Christ's love for his bride. And so may our rest be in Christ for your glory and for our good. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Colossians 3, Colossians 3, I'm going to start reading in verse 16, and I'll be reading through verse 19. Primarily, our verses this morning we'll be looking at is verses 18 and 19. But verse 16 in Colossians 3, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, Do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. This is the word of the Lord. So as Adam looked at Colossians 3, 16 and 17 last week, Christians are to be filled with the word of Christ. Then, With our passage before us today, the Apostle Paul moves to the household code or how the believer's house should be. In Paul's day, there were cultural norms. But Paul is laying out, uh, Paul's laying out how believers should live in their homes. God has instructed this. So wives submitting to the leadership of their husbands, husbands loving their wives, children obeying their parents, and then the relationship between masters and slaves. These roles and relationships should point to and bring uh, our attention to the authority of Christ, that He is the true Lord of all. And since we believe Jesus is Lord, then this confession then impacts our homes and our lives. If we are rooted in the Word, it will impact household living. And everyone has various thoughts about this passage. I was asked this week by someone outside of our church, why would we preach this text? If you are new to North Hills, we are going to walk through books of the Bible verse by verse, unapologetically. Right now we're going through the book of Colossians, and we are going to hold fast to God's Word. And our culture is going to try to explain away the Scriptures It will try to explain away the importance of male and female, husbands and wives, and biblical marriage. But Christ's bride, the church, we are going to hold fast 
to what Scripture teaches, knowing that this is God's Word, and it is for our good and His glory. And I want to make mention before we dive in this morning, if you are not married, you are loved by Christ and His people. You are not more loved by Christ if you are married. Here at North Hills, I pray we are a people who model love towards their brothers and sisters in Christ. And so if you are not married, may you encourage biblical marriages. And those who are married, biblically encourage those who are not married. And this will shout to the world that our unity is in Christ. And so as we walk through this passage this morning, we will have three points. The first is that of biblical marriage. And under that point, we're going to walk through some passages that articulate a biblical understanding of marriage. So we'll see biblical marriage as the first point. The second is the role of the wife, the role of wives, as we see in verse 18. And the third point is the role of the husband, the role of the husband as we see in verse 19. So to our first point this morning, to our first point this morning, a biblical marriage, a biblical marriage is between one man and one woman covenanting together before the Lord. And so to this first point, we're going to quickly walk through a few passages in Genesis at creation and then look at what Jesus said about marriage in the Gospel of Matthew. So in the beginning, God created male and female. Adam first, and then Eve. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 7, God formed man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So God created man, and God has authority over man. And God gave Adam the responsibility to name the animals. And among the living creatures, Adam did not find a suitable helper or helpmate. In verses 18 through 22 of Genesis chapter 2, Scripture says, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he had made into a woman and brought her to the man. So God created woman. God has authority over women and men. And God has given the responsibility of headship to man. Eve is Adam's helper and complements Adam. And so before the fall, God created Eve as a helpmate for Adam. And Adam is the head of the family and representative of this family. So God from creation has ordered male and female, husband and wife, to live in this manner. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24 continues on. Man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife. And they shall become one flesh. One flesh. So marriage is a covenantal union 
between one man and one woman before the Lord. Before the Lord. It is a good, wise, and biblical call to leave your family and hold fast to your spouse, to get out of the house. One of the best things for mine and Lauren's marriage was moving to Kentucky immediately after, after we got married. So in discussions, I couldn't run to my parents, and Lauren couldn't run to her parents. My home is with her. And so Lauren had to run to me and I to her. As the Second London Confession of Faith says, marriage was ordained for the mutual help of husband and wife. So marriage is not dictated by what the culture says, but by what the Scriptures say. We live in a day in which our culture takes and tries to use biblical language and dress it up, but that doesn't make it marriage. Again, marriage, as we have seen in the beginning of Genesis, is between one man and one woman covenanting before the Lord together. And continuing on in Genesis, in Genesis chapter 3, when Eve partook of the fruit, Eve was deceived. 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 14 says, Adam was formed first in Eve. So Paul is addressing, again, God's order and function, male headship here. And in verse 14 of uh, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 2, Adam was not deceived, but the woman was deceived and became a transgressor. So Eve partook of fruit, but Adam, Adam failed as her head. He failed as a husband and as a leader. Male headship is not something earned but God has entrusted men to lead in the home. It is not because men, uh, because man uh, deserves this and he is great and makes no mistakes. In the fall, Adam sinned as well. He did not keep his covenant responsibilities in caring for his bride. And so the scripture says in Genesis chapter 3, verse 6, that she also gave some to her husband who was with her who was with her, and he ate. And so Adam failed to speak. He failed his wife. And both of them sinned against the Lord and partaking of the very thing God said not to do. And so God has ordered husbands, men, to be the representatives of the home. And Adam failed in the garden. But husbands should strive to care for and protect their brides and their families. If an intruder comes knocking at the door and says, Did God really say? The husband should, should be the first to meet him. And you can take that analogy in a variety of ways if you want to. But God has given the husband the responsibility and authority in his created order to lead their families. Continuing in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 19, when Jesus comments on divorce... He reiterated creation order in Genesis. In Matthew chapter 19, verses 4 through 6, Jesus answered, Have you not read that he who created them from the beginning made them male and female and said, Therefore a man shall leave his, his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh? So they are no longer two but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. So here in 
the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus reiterates that God made male and female and says that husbands and wives leave their fathers and mothers and they are to hold fast to their spouse. The two, one male, one female, husband and wife, become one flesh, joined together, covenanted together under God. And so do not buy the lie of the culture that says Jesus is silent about marriage. Marriage is not something in which our culture can change because God created it. And the second person of our triune God, the Lord Jesus, upheld it in the Gospels. So saints, let's get in our Bibles and hold fast to what the Scriptures teach about marriage. As a son of divorced parents, the examples of biblical marriages in the local church have been very important and meaningful to me. So this text before us in Colossians has caused me to think and reflect a great deal in preparation. And we affirm this morning that God's Word is truth. And I hope we desire to see it lived out and applied among God's people. So let's hold fast to what the Scriptures teach about marriage. If we affirm the Scriptures, its truths will then permeate our lives. And may our marriages model what the Scriptures teach so that those like me who have not seen it lived out in the home, we will then see it on display in the local church. It may be for the glory of God and for our good. And so as we continue on in Colossians 3, Colossians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, we see how wives are to relate to their husbands and husbands are to relate to their wives. So to our second point this morning, the role of the wife. The role of the wife. In verse 18, Scripture says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. So verse 18 begins with a focus upon the wife in marriage. The call is for wives to submit to your husbands. The Greek word for submit here is a middle present imperative. And the significance of that is that wives voluntarily bring themselves under the leadership and headship of their husbands. Wives are bringing themselves under their husbands, their homes, representatives, willingly. And God has given men the responsibility to lead the home. Scripture does not say that we have this ability to choose who will be the head of the home. Men are called to lead and wives are coming under the the husband's leadership and care. This is not to diminish the dignity, value, or worth of wives, but rather in God's ordained order, men and women can both flourish for His glory. The Apostle Paul also addresses this in Ephesians chapter 5. In verse, in verse 22 of Ephesians 5, Scripture says, Wives, submit to your husbands. Continuing on in Ephesians 5 verse 24, the church submits to Christ. Wives submit to their husbands in everything. So why is this the case? In verse 23 of Ephesians 5, Scripture says, The husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. 
So the husband has been given authority by the Lord to lead and guide his family. While husbands at times may fail in their leadership and responsibilities because of sin, Christ does not fail in leading the church. He does not fail in leading his bride. And as the church finds its strength in its head, which is Christ, wives should find their strength as well in their husbands. Yet Christ is the one who has sovereign authority. Believing husbands and wives are called to be slaves of Christ. God has entrusted leadership, male headship, to the husband. So wives are called to submit freely to their husbands. Kevin DeYoung says, It is submission freely given, never forcibly taken. So wives are to respect, to follow, to lift up and support their husbands. And husbands are to respect and love their wives. In the context of the book of Colossians, in a non-Christian home, a woman would have had little to no voice. One scholar noted that a woman would have had to bear at least three children to, to do anything outside of the home. Well, what does this mean for wives of a Christian home? Do they have a voice? Yes. Yes. And are to follow the God-entrusted leadership of their husbands. Wives are to be the helpmate of their husbands, balancing the strengths and weaknesses in the home. Wise husbands listen to their wives. A practical way uh, this could look would look like this. My, my wife is not going to cut me down in public, but... We will discuss any disagreement she has at home. She's respecting me, submitting to my leadership, and cares for the home to bring up any concerns in private. It does not mean that the husband is greater and the wife is lesser in value to the Lord. We are co-equal in value, different in function. This, This turns cultural systems on their head when godly wives... Submit to godly husbands, and they have Christ honoring homes because the husband's responsibility should point to Christ. But what about wives who do not have believing husbands? In 1 Peter 3, verses 1 and 2, Scripture says, Wives, be subject to your own husbands that even if some do not obey the word, they may be won without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respect and pure conduct. So in 1 Peter 3, Scripture is calling the wives of unbelieving husbands to live in a manner that points your husband to Christ. Respect him and honor him that he may see Jesus in your life. The phrase without a word is not saying do not share the gospel with the unbelieving husband, but the manner, but the manner in which you live is also following your speech. Women who have been changed by the gospel are not going to tell their husbands that Jesus is Lord and then go on to treat their husbands in any ill manner. No, any husband or wife who is converted is going to put to death anger, malice, 
wrath, slander, or impurity, as we saw in Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through 11. And they will put on humility, kindness, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, as Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through, 12 through 17 says. So for wives that have unbelieving husbands, or husbands that have unbelieving wives, may the Lord continue to use you in your home. And may you model the gospel of Christ, that they may be one to behold Him. If there are ways we as elders can, can pray and help to that end, please let us know. Verse 18 ends with the phrase, as is fitting in the Lord. So your husband, your husband should not lead you in a manner that is sinful or to sin. So again, this emphasis is on the Lord Jesus, the Lordship of Christ. Put the Lord first. And as your husband leads, follow him, respect him. And husbands are not to lead in a manner that their wives are to sin. So for those who follow Jesus, wives are to submit to their husbands in an appropriate manner. The Lordship of Christ separates this household code from anything else in the day. The husband is the head of the home, and the ultimate authority is the Lord Jesus, not Caesar. And we are Christ, and He has bought us with His blood. And so wives submit to their husbands as is fitting in the Lord, and husbands are to lead in a manner in a, in a manner that is honoring to the Lord. And that leads us to our third and final point for this morning. The role of the husband. The role of the husband in verse 19. Verse 19 says, Husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Some translations use the word bitter instead of harsh at the end of this verse. Like verse 18 began with a call upon wives. In verse 19, puts this call upon the husbands. Husbands. Husbands, love your wives. The Greek word for love here is agapete, which is a self-sacrificing love, care, pursuit. Husbands are not looking to their own interests, but leading in a self-sacrificial manner towards their wives. This is a love that is giving towards their spouse and by doing so, regularly pointing to Christ. Our culture around us has many homes in which men are not present. But that should not be the norm for Christian homes. Husbands should be present. But not just present. Leading their families in devotion to Jesus. And modeling a love that is seeking first the care of their families. Looking back at Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25. It also says there in Ephesians 5, Husbands, love your wives. And the same word for love in Colossians 3.19 is the same word for love used in Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave Himself up for her. 
the Lord Jesus gave Himself up for His bride. The one who deserved the praise and more on Palm Sunday, yet He did not deserve His suffering and death on a cruel cross. He did so for our sin. Our Lord Jesus Christ created all things. He is the second person of our triune God. He is truly God and became truly man. He dwelt among us. He lived perfectly and did not sin. Well, while we have been faced with various temptations and then act upon them in sin, He did not. He knew no sin. So as Jesus arrived in Jerusalem, the crowds were shouting in Luke chapter 19, verse 38, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. He was praised at the beginning of the week and suffered and died at the end of the week. He suffered on the cross for our sake so that by Him we are reconciled to a holy God if we come in faith. If we come to trust in Christ, His righteousness is credited to us. It is given to us freely. Not by works or our efforts, but by faith in Jesus alone. And if you're not trusting in Him, may today, may you today behold Him as King. And by Jesus' death, His shedding of blood, our sins are forgiven. And so did Pilate take Jesus' life? Did Herod? Did the Pharisees? Did the Sadducees? No one took Jesus' life from him. In John chapter 10, verse 18, Scripture says, No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down, and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And so as you think this week about what Christ has done, what Christ has done in your place, may you reflect upon the heavy and weighty words of Ephesians 5.25. He gave Himself up for her. He gave Himself up for her. And so husbands, the manner in which we lead and care for our homes should shout and point to Christ. Mine and Lauren's marriage should point to Christ and the church. She is mine and I am hers. And again, this is a sacrificial love for the husband. Christ is the head of the church and the church submits to Christ. Husbands are the head of the home and wives submit to their husbands. And as I continue to age with my bride, I love my bride more and more. And as the church continues to age with her Savior, the Lord Jesus, we will love Him more and more. And so men, you are to display the gospel of Christ in your home. Let's be men of regular repentance. You display the love of Jesus. And in your sins and failures, you point to Christ. If you don't repent when you sin against your spouse or your child, you're displaying that repentance is not significant enough. So let's remove the the weeds in our gardens and may our homes flourish to the glory of God. The godly husband repenting of his sin before his wife and children 
shows the weightiness of sin and points to the work of Christ. And so may husbands love their wives. Continuing on in love, Colossians 3.19 ends with, Do not be harsh with them. Do not be bitter uh, towards them or bitter with them. This is a continuation of love and a call for husbands to respond in gentleness and tenderness towards their brides. Our wives are our are helpmates. Proverbs 18 verse 22 says, He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains, and obtains favor from the Lord. Proverbs 31.10 says, An excellent wife is worth far more, far more than jewels. And so any man who seeks to harm his wife in a physical manner or beat them down in bitterness and anger needs to repent before the Lord. He has abused the authority that God has given him. And so the harshness, bitterness, or anger here in verse 19 is with the intent to harm. Sinful intent to hurt. God has entrusted husbands to care for their wives. And our brides are submitting to us as husbands because God has given us this responsibility. And Christ does not speak to His bride in harshness, but in tenderness. And so may the manner in which we speak and the way in which we care and, and show our love uh, towards our wives model this. My wife belongs to Christ and I'm entrusted to care for her and she, she should be treated in that manner. The love of the husband towards his bride is showing to the world. The love of the husband towards his bride is showing to the world the love of Christ for his church. So Hebrews 13, 4 says, Let marriage be held in honor among all. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And may husbands love their wives and do not be harsh or bitter with them. Friends, we only get one life and it will soon pass. Only what is done for Christ will last. Let's pray. Father, we come before you knowing that we are insufficient, but through Christ, we are made whole. And we pray for those who, who are married. May we love our spouse. May we desire to have healthy, God-honoring marriages. Lord, we are given such a brief time here on earth. May we make our marriages count for your glory. Father, may husbands not abuse their authority or responsibilities. Father, husbands are not slaves to their wives, nor are they to act as unrighteous rulers or tyrants. May husbands not use the call for wives to submit as a sword upon their wives, but lead in a manner that wives joyfully submit to their husbands. And Father, may wives flourish under the leadership of their husbands. Lord, we pray for 
those who have spouses who do not confess Christ. May the believing husband or wife hold fast to Christ. And Father, we we pray that you draw the unbelieving spouse to behold Jesus as Lord. May the believing husband or wife find rest in the gospel and what Christ has done. And Lord, we pray for those who are not married, who desire to get married. May they find their rest in you and be patient. Lord, we pray for those who are not married and do not desire marriage, that you use their singleness for your glory. May they regularly be reminded that they are made whole because of Christ. Father, we thank you and rejoice this morning that our King has come. Lord Jesus took on flesh and dwelt among us. Jesus lived, died, and rose again for his bride. He gave himself up for her. And so, Father, may we rest in the finished work of Christ. May our marriages flourish for your glory. May we proclaim the gospel to our neighbors and to the nations. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.